Thanks, Robert. Oh, sweet. You're a sweet guy. I'm going to try and teach you all some stuff today, so we'll see if that works out. Like, I'm, um, I tried to come up with some jokes, but I just, I couldn't do it. There were, there are, thanks, Stacy. you know, kind of warm up the audience a little bit, but that's not going to happen this morning. I think I'm also, like, still struggling with my, like, feeling good about my outline, because I even brought a pen, like, so I can change stuff as I go, but I don't know that that's going to happen. Well, it's going to be good, though. Um, we're going to talk about grace today. So I hope that's okay with everybody. This is actually part three of a sermon series that I've been giving. So if you have um, your notes from my last one, go ahead and pull those out. Just kidding. That was from back in September. And the one before that was last February. Um, so I, I honestly, I won't, I won't feel hurt if you don't remember those, those messages. But they were really good. Um, we're going to talk about grace. So I'm going to um, introduce it by way of a story from the New Testament coming out of Paul's letters to the church in Corinth. Okay, so a little bit of background. Paul's writing to this church in the city of Corinth and kind of like by way of introducing himself. Right? First Corinthians. Hey, this is who I am. He goes to see these people. Then he has a second letter. Guess what they called it? Second Corinthians. Really good. Yeah. Um, and it's always funny to me that we have these letters that Paul sends the, to the church that we have one half of a conversation that takes place. We don't have the full conversation. So we're, we're trying to piece together some things. But at some point, these dudes showed up to the church in Corinth um, trying to say that they were apostles of the Lord Jesus, but they were up to no good. Right? I think probably based on what Paul says, they're probably like trying to get money. Like that's their like side hustle is like you know, talking about how good they are and all the cool stuff that they've done in the name of Jesus, like give us some cash, throw some dinars or whatever, you know, the, the Corinthians are, are spending those days. So Paul's writing this letter and he's, it's kind of like, it's a really funny thing because he's, he's writing about boasting. So we assume that these guys have come into town, these, these false apostles or whatever he calls them, um, boasting about all of their works because Paul's like, hey, I could boast about my works, but I'm not going to boast about the time that this crazy thing happened to me. I won't tell you about that. Or I won't boast about the time that this other awesome thing that I did worked out really well. Like, I won't, I won't even boast about that. Or I won't even boast about this time that, like, things were so crazy that I did this awesome thing, right? He's, but he's not boasting, but he's kind of boasting, right? It's, it's, it's kind of a funny situation. It's like this um, false humility almost. Like, I'm not that good, but I'm really that good. But it's funny how he's, like, setting up these guys. But then he goes into this little piece that almost gets lost. Like you don't really notice it if, unless you're really paying attention about um, this one thing that he's not going to boast about. And he's like, I have this affliction. Have you all seen that in 2 Corinthians? Denise, you can throw that up if you, if you want to. I guess people can. I have this affliction, he says. And three separate times I went to the Lord and I asked him to take him away. Whatever this thing was that was preventing him from doing his ministry to the fullest, he reaches out to the Lord. He's like, Jesus, I need your help. Take this thing away. And you know what Jesus says? No. So Paul prays again, right? Three times, will you take this away? No, no, no. And Jesus says, my grace is all you need. In other translations, it says, my grace is sufficient for you, right? My power works best in weakness. Paul's a guy who I struggle with a lot. 
Because I feel like what he wants me to do is not easy for me to do. This whole notion of weakness, and that's something that you can really boast about, is not, it's not something that I, I, I'm very good at. I don't operate well out of a point of feeling weak in situations. Anybody else? The worst for me specifically is when I'm in a situation that I don't feel like I have control over. I mean, that gets my anxiety ramped up. We had this week a couple weeks ago where I just felt like one thing after the other, like our refrigerator died, which isn't, you know, that that stuff happens, right? But you just have to worry about like, what do you do with the stuff? You got to find a new place to put it so it doesn't spoil. Do you have to throw stuff away? Which just feels like a, a lot. And then like the situation happened where I sort of dropped a wrench and it sort of flew through the air and sort of landed on my kid's head. And we had to take him to get staples put in his head. And it was, that was kind of rough. And then, you know, and then that night, my other kids go into the, take a shower. He's like, dad, there's water pouring out from underneath the wall. And I'm like, what? And so there's a, like a pipe behind the wall burst. And so water's coming out. And I'm trying to like get kids in showers, but we got to turn the water off. Like, you know, and then my kids get sick and so we've got, you know, youth group that Christy and I do on Wednesday nights that we're supposed to go do, but our, our kids are all of a sudden sick, and so she's got to stay home, and so we got to do that. And then we had a trip planned that weekend, and so it's not going to work out for them to go. And in order for the kids to go back to school, they have to have a COVID test, but they got the wrong COVID test. So even though it was the a test that was, the results were good, it was the wrong, so they had to go get this test, and it was just, it's kind of one thing after the other. And I just... You know, I felt like I was in a position where I didn't really want to be. <laughs> and I kind of feel like in those situations, I'm like, oh, man, like, Byron's going to ask me to preach about this, isn't he? <laughs> like, it, it almost seems inevitable, like, when something's going on in life, and I'm like, oh, I'm learning a lesson. This isn't just for me, is it, Lord? Like, this is something that you're going to have me share. So here I am sharing. But fortunately, like, my kids and my wife, like, seem to do pretty well. Like, Chrissy's always really good about being on points, um, handling those situations well. At one point on the, on, on the way to get staples, White's like, Dad, you're the only one who's stressed out about this. <laughs> I'm like, okay, dude, if you're bleeding out of your head and you're not worried, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to calm down a little bit. So it all worked out. I kind of have a patch over this space in my wall. We got to kind of have a refrigerator situation going, but we'll get through it. My kids are feeling better, so, so life's going on. It's good, it's good. I'm going to tell you about another situation recently that um, I feel like applies to struggling in situations where you feel weak. Because we had this, like I said, I had this trip last weekend that we are trying to manage all this stuff. Like, can I, can I get this toilet back on before I have to go out of town? It didn't happen. So that was probably not ideal, but I had to go out of town. We had this race this weekend. So in the midst of all this, I also have a race coming up that it's not like I can just like not do anything about like you have to prepare for these races so I still had to do these runs to get ready for this race so that I didn't die this weekend because I'm not a runner but a couple years ago my brother conned me into to start running because he's like hey I signed you up for this this relay race and it goes from Asheville to Greenville and you have to run these two different legs it's probably going to be like 12 miles total I was like like I'm gonna die and so I had to start you have to run for that right you have to prepare for that because I mean, if you don't, then, like, you take so long, you're going to die. Or you take so long that they send, like, search parties after you. 
you know? And like, I was, I've shared this story before, how the first year, the second leg in, you know, the first leg, I had run five and a half miles. So I'm like the third mile of the, of the next six mile stretch. And I'm like, Lord, you got to save me. Like you need, you need to send angels to me right now because otherwise I am not going to make it. Because I'm just not a, like, I'm not a runner. He didn't. And it was amazing. I'll talk more about that in a second. But like, I don't, I feel so out of place. Like people come in and we filmed all the transitions. Like you hand a baton off to the next dude and he runs. And I filmed all these transitions where these guys are running in and it's like, they're like smiling (laughs) and like, like glowing. And it's like chariots of fires playing in the background while they're running up. And you're like, what in the world is happening here? They look so happy. So Jacob, I don't know if you've heard this story. Jacob couldn't run with us this year even though he normally does. But the guy who, who subbed for you got lost on his first leg and ran an extra two and a half miles, just in addition to his normal route. And even he comes running, he's like, I took a wrong turn. I'm like, if I take a wrong turn, I'm not coming back. You know, and I'm watching these transition videos of like, you know, the people on our team running in and they look all studly and runner-ish. And I'm like coming up to hand the baton on, I'm like hunched over and like... <laughs> like hobbling and like I look like Quasimodo coming in to like hand this baton off like snarling a little bit and I was like this is not like this is not an area that I'm I'm strong in like if you want to talk about a space where I'm operating out of a point of weakness it's this running thing that I've got tricked into Uh, he didn't really trick me it was really good but after that first leg, when I was like, Lord, you got to save me, the best thing was when you finish and you're like, I made it. I can, I can do hard things. Man, that was so good for me, like just as a practical life lesson. I can survive this. And even to this day, like, I mean, that was four years ago. Um, but even like now, like every time I run, I don't, I don't particularly enjoy running. <laughs> Especially the first mile is always bad. I think every time I run, I'm like, I want this to be over with. For the first mile, and then your body warms up, and you get loose, and the endorphins flow, and you feel good. And I finish, and I feel great, but I always have this moment where I have to be like, I can do this. There's going to be a period of time where there might be discomfort, but I can do this. And I feel like that's a point in my life where I can connect most with with Paul, where he's like, you can be in this position of weakness, but it's okay. You can operate out of this position of weakness and be fine because God's grace is so good, right? Because Jesus tells him when he says, hey, take this affliction from me. And Jesus says, no. When's the last time you were in a situation where you were like, Jesus, take this situation from me. Take this affliction or whatever it is from me. We've all been there, right? Desperate. Desperate in situations. I need out of this. Send angels to carry my my carcass the rest of this leg, right? We need out of this situation. The Lord says no. And I think that we can struggle with that in times unless we're really, really buying in to God's grace. That God, your grace is sufficient for me. I can survive this. And it can be okay. Christy had this other really good analogy because we were just, again, recently in this kind of crazy situation where we were supposed to go on a family trip to Nashville to visit her brother. And it turned out that I couldn't, suddenly I wasn't in a position where I could go. And she had to decide if she wanted to stay home 
canceled the trip. Her brother had, you know, taken our days off of work. They had tickets to go do some stuff there in Nashville. Or if she wanted to take all three of our kids and our dog on the six-hour drive by herself to Nashville and then be there, you know, central time zone. So an hour back, our kids are already like, they wake up stupid early. Like, if y'all can help me with that, that'd be great. But then, like, you move it an hour back, and they're waking up, like, at 4 a.m. It's just, it's just crazy stuff. But she's like, I'll do it. And I was talking to her about it, and I could tell that she was so full of grace, that the Lord had just given her so much grace just by the way that she could articulate, I can do this. I'm not stressed out about it. And she was really realistic, and she had to talk with our kids, which is one of my favorite parts about this whole situation that happened, because she was able to say to our kids, hey, this is going to be hard for me. We're going to do a hard thing this week, but we all can do, we all can do it. The Lord's going to be with us. We can do this. You know, and then she could invite our kids into a hard situation to rise up and function, even in a situation that's difficult. And they had a great time. You know, but what a good learning experience. But anyway, she had this awesome analogy, and she said, Corey, I felt like I was riding a wave. I could feel the grace like a wave just pushing me forward. And she talked about this analogy of she felt like she was surfing, where she got up on the surfboard and the Lord just propelled her. But if you, if you know anything about surfing, you know, there's, there's a portion of surfing that's really hard that you got to do, right? There's a lot of waiting and being patient. And then this moment arises where you have to get up on your surfboard. The, the water doesn't throw you up on the surfboard. Typically, I don't, I don't think that's how it happens, right? You have to jump up on this surfboard. But then the wave propels you in. And I was like, oh, Christy, that's so good. What a good vision of what grace is in our life, right? Because it's not freedom from hard stuff. It's not a, you know, easy pass or, I do love the easy pass, you know, the, it's not that, but it's, but it's good. It gets us there because God's so good. I was trying to come up with really with um, a definition of grace to talk about, but I felt like the more that I was looking at it, um, it's like talking, trying to talk about how, like talking about how the Lord is gracious is trying to talk about how like water's wet. It just, there, there wasn't the language to describe it like I wish that there was. Because grace just exists because of who the Lord is, right? So if you're talking about as part of his essence, God is love. Grace is the result of that. Grace is what oozes out of him towards us. And it just exists. In the Hebrew, grace is a verb. It just, it's just happening. It's what God is doing to us, and it just exists. And here's the important part, not because of, you know, something special that we do, right? It's not something we earn. It's not something that, you know, certain special things have to be in place for before this happens. It just is. It just exists, and it's something that we can have whenever we need it. 
But it's the hard stuff that I think is where, where we find challenge with how do we, how do we manage this thing. Because I think culturally speaking, right, 21st century America, we're not super interested in challenge. Right? I don't think we're interested in the hard stuff. It's like, what's the easy way out? Pick a situation. What's the easy way out? There's probably a pill for that. Right? And I'm not dogging, dogging that, but like we really want a, fix, a quick fix on whatever it is. We don't like to suffer much. We want the easiest way out. And here's the craziest thing about grace. Grace is the most powerful thing, I would say, in the universe. Right? So powerful that when the second covenant comes around, it surpasses the law to become the new binding element for our covenant with, Lord, with the Lord. For all of humanity, right? The first covenant between Moses and God was bound by the law. You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. But surpassing that is just, God's like, I'm, it's just my love. Right? By grace, we have been saved through faith. Right? By God's grace, by God's goodness, by God's love. This thing that exists just because of who he is in his nature But grace doesn't supersede hardship, right? Grace doesn't eliminate the hard stuff. It doesn't just magic away things that we find painful or uncomfortable, even though I wish it would. A lot of times, like, I would love to have not have had my toilet break this week. Like, that would have been awesome. But even in the midst of it, I could be like, okay, I'll fix this, I'll do this, I'll do this, and it'll be okay, and I'll move on. Right? And the Lord, I think, was good to our family in the meantime, you know, with the fridge situation and with this situation, because that's how he is all the time, as he's good in the midst of it. I think that's the benefit of knowing that when we have these hard times come up, that we got somebody who's there with us. I mean, go back to what Byron was preaching about or talking about when we were doing communion, Like, why in the world would God choose 33 AD Rome, 30, 29, 27 AD Rome for his son to come back? Like, he could have picked now, right? And if if capital punishment, like if Jesus was sentenced to capital punishment now in 21st century America, that would have been easy peasy. I mean, I'm not saying that's awesome, but right, not torture, not crucifixion, but he chose this time where Jesus was going to legit suffer, right? And not like easy stuff. And I know Jesus in the garden the night before, take this cup from me. Right? I don't, I don't want to do this. If there's another way out right now, let's, let's do it. And what'd God say? No. Right? Thank you, Lord, that you suffered. I don't ever have to feel alone or like I'm doing this on my own or like I don't have it figured out. Do you ever, ever feel that way? I think there are times, especially like in um, like a church community where people are just end up on different waves you know, a lot of times, like, the church is on one wave, but if you get off that, it can be hard, and you can feel like, am I the only person going through this hard time? 
Like I know when Christy and I were first married, we had some, we had some challenges. But the church was like, I mean, essentially in revival back then. Like it was awesome. But we were on a different wave, you know, but you come to church and everybody, you know, and it's, it was hard at times. But you're never alone in your suffering because Jesus is with you and he knows what it's like and he knows what it's about. Um, yeah, I'm just working through my notes. I hope that's okay. I have notes to myself, but I'm going to talk about something else first. Um, I was reading this, uh, this article that Tim sent, um, Tim Ulrich sent this um, article to me probably last week. I didn't, I didn't read it till this week, though. Sorry, Tim. Um, that happens sometimes. Remember, there was this refrigerator in this toilet. I, I just didn't get to it right away. Um, but it was, it was responding to a, like the most recent, recent Gallup poll about um, Americans in the church. 47% of Americans said, yes, I'm a church-going Christian. Which probably, I mean, my guess would be that's the first time in the history of this country that we've been below 50%. I mean, that's startling, right? And the, the guy in the, um, the guy who was writing this article has a, a point that I'll, I'll address in a second. But I just kept thinking about, you know, I, I think that the world has fallen out of a place where they feel like they need God, as opposite of the truth as that is, we have all these things that can make you feel better, can get you through, can get you over the hump, can repair whatever it is, that it's hard to, I think, for, for people culturally in America to see the need for God anymore. I was just thinking about that, Tim, when I was reading this article, that people, you know, they don't, they're like, oh, well, I can do this instead, And whereas maybe like where their parents were going to church and they were attending. So on the previous poll 20 years ago, they said, hey, yeah, I'm a a Christian because I I go to church with my parents. You know, now they're at this place where they're like, I really don't. I don't don't see that. Or maybe the opposite where they've been through a hardship and then get mad at the Lord because of that hardship. Why did this thing happen to me? Right, but we, we just know, right? Theologically, church, bad things happen. That's just, it's just part of, it's part of the reality of the system. So I'm thankful that the Lord allows us to get through those things so that when the next one comes up, we're more prepared, right? It's like, it's like running. If I can go back to that analogy, if I hadn't trained for that race, I would be a dead man, right? But because I've, I've been through it, I know what that first mile is like. So now, even though it happens every time where I'm like, oh my gosh, am I really going to do this again? I know I'll get past the first mile and I'll be fine. It's the same, same thing about hardship, right? When you've been through a couple things, you're like, okay, I can manage this. I'm okay because I know that God's with me and I know that there's another side. Part two of this message back in September was about the wilderness experience and how we're just, we're just indifferent. Our wilderness experiences are all different. Like mine might be short, yours might be long. We talked about, you know, the Israelites in the desert for 40 years. Jesus was 40 days. So it's just, it's a different, it's a different thing. But we, we go through these trials because it's reality. 
and it gets us to what's on the other side. Um, I wrote some, some notes to myself, some takeaways from grace. So I am, I'm going to preach to myself. I'm going to invite you, if you're interested, to grab on to what I'm talking about. So my first note to myself is embrace weakness. That's not a popular notion, I don't think, in our country. Right? I mean, especially as Americans. Like, we don't typically say, yeah, I'm the weakest. Yeah! America! I want to be, you know, that's not, like, that's kind of antithetical, right? Those things don't really go together. But God is saying, when you're weak, it's me. It's not you. When you can be weak and you're not doing this thing on your own, guess who's doing it? Me. And guess who's better at this thing than you are? Me. So let me do it. Can I give you a quick biblical example of that? So in the book of Judges, you know, Gideon, right? The Lord says, hey, I'm going to, these people have risen up to overtake the land, which if you read the book of Judges, it's like, oh, again, because that happens every, every other chapter. The Israelites are screwing up and somebody's got to come rescue their sorry behinds. Um, so it's Gideon this time. But the Midianites have this army that is probably pretty massive. Um, after the story talks about how like 120,000 of them didn't survive and there's this group that survived. So, you know, 150,000-ish maybe soldiers. And Gideon shows up with 32,000 soldiers. Probably not soldiers, right? I mean, probably like workers, farmers, right? Whatever, whoever showed up when he, he sent the call out. And the Lord's like, that's too many. What do you mean that's too many? We need like five times as many. We are in, we are in bad shape here. And so, you know, the story, the Lord, first night, he's like, you need to dismiss anybody who doesn't really want to be there. If they don't want to be there, you need to send them on. So if they're timid about this fight tomorrow, they need to go home right now. So 20,000 guys leave the first night. I, I would have, I mean, am I the only one who's going with them? Like, like they got 150,000 dudes in the valley. I'm not, I'm not running down there. But the Lord says, if you go in there, even with 32,000 guys and you win this fight, everybody's going to think that you did this. But that's not the point of this fight. The point of this fight is that I am going to do something really awesome. And my people are going to see it and they're going to recognize who I am. 10,000 left is too many. Send them home. You know, and he, he whittles it down to 300 guys who are going to go fight this battle. Right? And just from a human perspective, A, that's dumb. Right? We need to, like, guerrilla warfare or something. Like, this isn't going to work out. If we face these guys head on, we're, we're done. But then the Lord doesn't even fight them. All 300 guys make it through the night without a scratch. Because they just go in and they just confuse the enemy. And the enemy starts fighting themselves. Right? I mean, the Midians are gathering all these armies from different places. Right? And so you see in the middle of the night, like, oh, it's them over there. Because I don't really know who these people are because they came from a different country. And so they start taking each other out. And the Lord's like, this is something I've, I'm doing. So I think, just again, preaching to myself, it's okay for me to embrace weakness. If I can't manage this situation, that's okay. Lord, you can manage this situation. That should be a relief for everybody. You don't have to manage your situation right now. Does anybody need to hear that? You don't. You, you have to do some stuff still, right? You still have to get up on the surfboard. 
You still have to go through this thing, but it's not yours to own or to manage. The Lord's going to manage it for you. He's going to propel you through. That's good news, right? Okay. This other note I have is to be thankful in the hard times. Oh, man, I'm not good at that. But I think there's victory, right? In the middle of a hard time, I can say, thank you, Lord, for getting me through this. Thank you that I'm not alone. Thank you for what's on the other side. Because I know there's another side. If I can be thankful in those situations, then I'm winning. And that's good. I'll take that. And then here's another one that I think is just so important is that if we're receiving grace from the Lord, we really need to be able to be in a position where that's filling us up so much that it's oozing out of us. Right? If the Lord's gracious to us, we have to be gracious to other people. Other people who don't know Jesus need to see what grace is about in us. And I don't know that that's always easy, but it's got to be the truth. This article, back to this article that Tim sent me, part of the guy who wrote it, part of his response was, there's, there's a lot of people in the world who have seen church-going Christians who don't act like church-going Christians. And so they're jaded by this thing because they're looking for an example in the world of who Jesus is, right? If Jesus says this, I need to, I need to see it. And they don't see it in the church. That's got to be us. We've got to be the light of the earth. We've got to overflow with graciousness. You know, and I think for me, the biggest part about that, and I think this is an undervalued trait, again, in our society, is we've got to be humble in it. Like, how do you know that you're being gracious to people? Is you need to be humble. Which I don't always love, but... I'm also not always right. Don't, don't tell my kids. No, they know. I'm just kidding. Oh, they know. <laughs> but if graciousness fills our lives and our experiences and our interactions with other people, guess what they're witnessing? That like thing that just exists because who God is. They're, they're glimpsing the Lord. They get a sense of his glory. So if, if we're supposed to glorify the Lord, I can't think of a better way to do that than being gracious to other people, than taking something that he, just by the nature of who he is, passes on to us and making sure that we're conveying that to other people. Is that okay? So I don't know if, um, if you're in a situation where you just need grace today because you're going through some hard stuff. Or maybe we all just need a reminder that we need to be gracious and it's okay to be weak. I mean, maybe that's just a takeaway. But, you know, Byron, you can come up here and pray for us and close us out. And if you got whatever you want to do with these folks, you can give them the business if you want to. Let's give Corey a hand. That was a great, that's a timely word. Yeah. You know, we lived through a, a, a what felt like was an ungracious year last year, right? 2020, it was not gracious to us. And uh, I think we found out that our best response is gracious. You know, that was, to me, that's what I discovered through 
through that 2020 was is I need to I need to be doing exactly what Corey said is I need to give grace to people because a lot of people went through some stuff and not everybody acted well through it including myself but I needed to and I and I gave myself grace for not acting well right like yeah but I also needed to give others grace and so I just believe that was really powerful. And then I know there's different people that are going through some stuff in their life right now that's hard. It's real hard. And that's how we get through it is God's grace because God's full of grace. So let's just stand up and thank you, Corey, for sharing and telling us about the refrigerator story and the commodes and <laughs> different stuff. I hate that stuff when it happens. Though. But I always say, but this is life, you know. Stuff breaks. Yeah, stuff breaks. People break. We just sometimes we just break. We have breakdowns. But there's a grace to get us through this. I, I just want to I just feel like it's such a powerful thing. And I I want us to to have a revelation of grace. Okay? Because for a long time as a believer I didn't really carry a revelation of it. I carried a revelation of salvation grace. But I didn't carry a revelation of the power of grace to live my Christian life and, and to live my life in general. I just didn't, didn't see that. And, and many times people go through, God allows us to go through terrible, difficult situations. And in that place is where you find a revelation of grace. That's where I found it in my worst moment where I, I just can't keep going. And it's almost like the Lord said, finally. You know, finally you have come to the end that you can't do this Christian life. And you can't be right and you can't do it. And it was like when I gave up trying to be what I believe God called me to be and what I'm sure he was called me to be. When I gave up trying to do that and be that, that's when the grace of God flooded into my life. And suddenly I found a new power and a new strength to live my life. And I can promise you to, right now, I would not be standing here before you if I wouldn't have received that revelation. Because I was like, done. the first thing I was done with, I'm done with being a pastor. That was, that was like, I'm, I'm, this is over with. I can't even make it as a, pers- as a Christian man. I can't, I'm not making it, much less trying to be a pastor. But when God really, be, when I really gave up and came to a place of surrender, like Paul was, my grace is sufficient, and you allow it to begin to work in your life, then that's when the power of God really begins to work. And you can do, you can do the impossible. Like Corey said, you can get through these things, and, and, you know, and God gives you wisdom in every situation that you go through. Uh, so when you go through your next one, or if when you have a friend going through it, you can tap into that wisdom and just release it to them which is a real amazing aspect of grace. It's, the Bible says there's, uh, calls grace, the, Peter calls it the manifold grace of God. There's many aspects of grace. And so I want to pray. I want you to, uh, if you want to, if you, if you desire just something deeper in grace in your heart today, uh, just lift your hands to the Lord. I, manifold means many colored, variation. And, and as he was talking, that's what I was seeing. I was seeing a color getting released this morning to people. Like a different aspect of grace was being spoken over us. And so, Lord, we just ask you right now. Thank you for, thank you, Lord. Like 
it's, it is like water. It's just wet. Lord, whatever particular grace anyone in this room needs, just now in the name of Jesus, release it to them, Lord. Release grace in this room to every situation, every circumstance, every mind. Uh, grace upon our lips, oh God. Fill our hearts with grace, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord. Lord, give us a revelation of grace that we've never had. Give us insight from heaven on grace that we've never had. Let these words that were spoken this morning become living words manifesting in our hearts, in our minds, in our life, and with each other, and with the world, Lord. Lord, we thank you today that you're good, Lord. You're precious, Lord. And we just say all this in the name of Jesus. I like a couple, maybe some of you grace folks on the ministry team that really carry anointing for grace. Come up here. And if you would like, come on. Come on. A couple of you have that. Y'all, come on. Don't just linger. <laughs> and I want you to read. I want, if you feel like, you, if you're in a jam, or you're in a situation, or if you just feel like you, you just have this hunger for more grace, let them lay hands on you. And there will be an impartation through the laying on of these hands in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for coming and thank you for tuning in. And we'll be seeing you soon. Bye-bye. Of the goodness of God. Oh,